Salvete omnes, welcome to the AP Latin Podcast. The goal of this podcast will be to cover the lines from Caesar's De Bello Gallico and Virgil's Aeneid that are found on the AP Latin curriculum. Each two-part episode will cover a selection of lines from Caesar and Virgil. I will present the Latin and English of the text, providing relevant clarification, background, and cultural information that will help put the readings in their proper context. I encourage you to read along with me as you listen to the Latin and to use the English as a way to check your understanding rather than relying on the English for understanding. Each episode will conclude with some essential questions to consider as you process through the meaning of the text. Parati, eamos. AP Latin Podcast, Episode 19a, De Bello Gallico, Book 5, Chapters 44 to 46. In this episode, you will learn that the best way to raise morale during a siege is with a Legolas and Gimli-style killing contest. Errant in ea legione fortissimi viri, centuriones, qui primis ordinibus apropinquarent, titus pullo at Lucius Warrenus, qui perpetuas inter se controversias habebant, qui nam ante feretur, omnibusque anis de locis sumis simultatibus contendebant, ex his pullo, cum acerime ad munitiones pugnaretur, quid dubitas inquit Warrene? Aut quem locum tuae probandae virtutis expectas, hic dies de nostris controversiis judicabit. Haec cum dixisset procedet extra munitiones quaeque pars hostium confertissima est visa irumpit. Ne warenus quidem tum sese valo continet, sed omnium veritus existimationem subsequitur. Mediocri spatio relicto pulo pilum in hostes imitit atque unum ex multitudine procurentem traecit. Quo percuso et ex animato hunc scutis protegunt, in hostem tela universi coniciunt neque dant regrediendi facultatem. Transfigitur scutum puloni, et verutum in balteo defigitur. Avertit hic casus vaginum et gladium educere conanti dextrum moratur manum, impeditum quae hostes circumsistunt. Succurit inimicus illi warenus, et laboranti subvenit. Ad hunc se confestim apolone omnis multitudo convertit. Illum veruto arbitrantur ocisum. Gladio cominos remgeret warenus, atque uno interfecto reliquos paulum propellit. Dum cupidius instat, in locum deiectus inferiorum concidit. Huic rursus circumvento fert subsidium pulo. Atque ambo in columes cum pluribus interfectis summa cum laude sese intramunitiones recipiunt. Sic fortuna in contentione et certamine utrumque versavit, ut alter alteri inimicus auxilio salutique eset, neque diudicari posset uter utri virtute anterferendus videretur. Quanto erat in dies gravior atque asperior opugnatio, et maxime quod magna parte militum confecta vulneribus res ad pacitatem defensorum pervenerat. Tanto crebriores literae nuntiique ad caesarem mitebantur. Quorum pars deprehensa in conspectu nostrorum militum, cum cruciatu necebatur. Erat unus intus nervius, nomine vertico, loco natus honesto, qui a prima obsidione ad Ciceronem perfugerat, suamque ei fidem praestiterat. 
hic servo spe libertatis magnisque persuadet primiis, ut literas ad caesarem deferat. Has ille in iaculo illegatas efert, et gallus inter gallos sine ulla suspicione versatus ad caesarem pervenit. Ab eo de periculis ciceronis legionisque cognoscitur. Caesar, acceptis literis hora circiter undecima dieis, statim nuntium in bella vacos ad marcum crossum quaestorem mitit. Cuius hiberna aberant ab eo milia possum viginti quinque. Iubet media nocte legionem proficisci celeriterque ad se venire. Exit cum nuntio crassus. Alterum ad gaium fabium legatum mitit, ut in atrebatium fines legionem aducat, qua sibi interfaciendum sciebat. Scribit labieno, si re publicae commodo facere posset, cum legione ad fines nerviorum viniat. Reliquam partem exercitus, quod Paulo aberet longios, non putat expectandam. Equites circiter quadringentos ex proximis hibernis colligit. There were in this legion very brave men, centurions, who were approaching to the first ranks, Titus Pullo and Lucius Vorenus. These men had continuous disputes between themselves, who was placed ahead, and in all the years they contended about ranks with the highest rivalry. Of these men, Pullo, when it was being fought very bitterly at the fortifications, says, Why are you hesitating, Vorenus? Or what place, for showing off your virtus, are you waiting for? This day will judge about our disputes. When he had said this, he proceeds outside the fortifications and breaks into the part of the enemy which seemed the most crowded. Not even Varanus then contains himself within the rampart, but having feared the opinion of all, he follows after. With a moderate space left, Pullo throws his javelin into the enemy and pierces one running forward from the multitude, who having been struck and killed, they cover this man with their shields. Against their enemy, they all throw their weapons and do not give him an opportunity of retreating. Polo's shield is transfixed, and a spear is fastened in his sword belt. This misfortune turns his sheath away and delays his right hand for him trying to draw out his sword, and the enemies surround the hindered man. Vorenus, unfriendly to that man, runs to help and assists him as he struggles. To this man, the whole multitude immediately turns from Polo. They think the latter was killed by the spear. Vorenus manages the situation in hand-to-hand -hand combat with his sword, and, after one man had been killed, he drives off the rest a little bit. While he presses on more eagerly, having slipped, he falls into a lower place. To this man, again surrounded, Polo brings aid, and both, unharmed, after very many were killed, with the highest praise, take themselves back inside the fortifications. Thus fortune turned each way in the competition and contest, that the one, unfriendly, was a help and safety to the other, and it was not able to be decided which of the two seemed to be placed ahead in Virtus. By as much as the siege was daily more serious and drastic, and especially because, after a large part of the soldiers were afflicted with wounds, the situation had come to a scarcity of defenders. By that much, more frequent letters and messengers were sent to Caesar, a part of whom, having been caught in the sight of our soldiers, were killed with torture. There was one Nervian inside, with the name Vertico, born in an honorable status, who from the first attack had fled to Cicero and had demonstrated his faithfulness to him. He persuades his slave, with the hope of freedom and great rewards, to deliver a letter to Caesar. That man carries this, bound in a spear, and having moved about as a Gaul among Gauls without any suspicion, he arrives to Caesar. From him it is learned about the dangers of Cicero and his legion. 
Caesar, after the letter had been accepted around the eleventh hour of the day, immediately sends a messenger into the Bellavaki to Marcus Crassus the Quaestor, whose winter camp was 25 miles away from him. He orders the legion to set out in the middle of the night and quickly to come to him. Crassus leaves with the messenger. Another he sends to the legatus Gaius Fabius, that he should lead his legion into the borders of the Atrebates, where he knew his journey had to be made. He writes to Labienus, if he were able to do this for the advantage to the Republic, he should come with a legion to the borders of the Nervii. The remaining part of the army, which was a little further away, he did not think should be waited on. He collects around 400 cavalry from the nearest winter camps. Last time, a week into the siege on Cicero's camp, the Gauls had taken advantage of a windy day to set fire to much of the camp. The Romans had just driven back and set fire to a siege tower that had made it to the rampart. Here Caesar changes his style again, switching to direct speech and dramatized combat, much like we saw him do when he dramatized Sabinus and Cotta's battle. But in contrast to the fight against Ambiorix's army, where Romans struggled bravely but were wounded, here the Romans do the wounding, and despite setbacks return unharmed inside the walls of the camp. Caesar focuses the narrative onto two Roman soldiers, Varenus and Pullo, who were rivals for the same position, as both were approaching the first rank but were not quite there. Their rivalry reveals Caesar's leadership style, creating competition for promotion and rewards in order to gain greater effort from his troops. Pullo issues a challenge to Varenus and then rushes into the thickest part of the enemy. Challenge accepted, Varenus says and follows after. The typical way that most people think about the Roman army is as a disciplined machine of war, troops marching in ordered and silent rows against the disorganized howling barbarians. To some extent this is a little bit true, but most of this conception is actually how the Romans presented themselves rather than how it really was. We have seen in Caesar already several examples where the discipline of his army breaks down, even when Caesar himself was commanding. In Book 1, Chapter 39, part of the English selection of the AP reading, Caesar's soldiers panic at the thought of fighting the Germani, and he has to strongly reprimand and shame them for their cowardice. In Book 4, Chapters 24 and 25, the soldiers refuse to get out of the boats to make the beachhead landing in Britain, until the eagle-bearer of the tenth shames the soldiers into acting by putting the standard in harm's way. In Book 5, Chapter 31, with the general chaos of the soldiers packing to leave the camp, and in Chapter 33, when the soldiers were leaving their places to rush to the baggage and grab valuables, despite being ordered to form ranks in a circle. The Roman army was not simply an impersonal mass of robot soldiers following commands, as cool as that might sound. In a world where children were raised on the stories of heroism from the Iliad, there was a hunger for individual glory, especially since Caesar seems to have promoted those who displayed the most individual courage on the battlefield, which is why you see examples like Varenus and Pullo, or the Eagle Bearers, striving for individual recognition. So the discipline and confidence and daring that Caesar highlights in Cicero's legion is as much the dramatic representation of what Romans thought the ideal Roman soldiers should be as it is what actually happened during the siege, especially when viewed in contrast to the immediately preceding examples from Sabinus and Cotta's camp. And the example of Pullo and Varenus fighting outside of the camp together gives the positive side to this desire for personal recognition and presents a mirror image to the Aristea moments of the Sabinus and Cotta battle, where Romans are wounded and killed in brave ways. Here, even amid setbacks and problems, it is almost like the two men can't be harmed, and even though they are rivals, each saves the other. The focus on individual heroism here grounds the battle in something tangible for the audience, 
allowing you to vicariously experience what one person experiences in otherwise overwhelming chaos and raising the overall entertainment value of the narrative. The whole time the siege has been going on, Cicero's not been able to get any communication to Caesar, as the messengers he sends are captured and tortured and killed in the sight of the camp. Both sides are playing at psychological warfare in this siege. The Romans, by taunting the enemy and committing daring deeds, trying to show how little the extended blockade has affected them. And the Gauls, through public displays of torture and murder, reminding the Romans of exactly how alone and cut off from any help they are, and trying to wreck their morale. And Caesar lets you in on the truth behind the facade that the Romans put up, that Cicero is running short on healthy soldiers, and the entire thing is being managed by much fewer men than he is letting on to the enemy. Enter Vertico, who promises freedom and rewards to one of his slaves to get a message through the Gallic blockade. They bind the message around a spear, and the man is able to walk through the Gallic line, arousing no suspicion because he is a fellow Gaul. In this way, Caesar, having been absent since the beginning of Book 5, finally gets word about Cicero's dire straits. Caesar is back, and true to form, he is quick and confident and decisive. He gets the message at the 11th hour, around 5 p.m., and he snaps into action, his own Caleritas mirrored in the speed Ambiorix demonstrated when raising the Nervii against Cicero's camp in episode 16. Caesar sends messages through the night to the legati nearest to him to come to him or meet him en route, collecting enough forces to come to Cicero's rescue as fast as possible, which we will see next time. As we close out the episode, here are some essential questions to consider. What role does competition play in Caesar's army? How does the focus on the individual heroism of Polo and Varenus help to ground the battle for the audience? How are Polo and Varenus similar to and different from Nissus and Euryalus in the Aeneid? How do both sides attempt to affect the morale of the other during the siege? How do Caesar and Ambiorix's actions mirror each other inside this narrative? Gratias ago pro auscultando, valete.